your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan. No Alex today. He was wise enough to actually work during the match today and not take PTO like the idiot that I am. Took time off to watch Everton get absolutely shellacked 5-0 by Tottenham at their stadium. The horrific away form continues, and we now sit 22 points after 25 games. Everton's lowest total at this stage of a top flight season, not a Premier League season, a top flight season in the club's history, and furthermore, have gone two consecutive away matches without a single shot on target. Disgraceful, embarrassing, incredibly frustrating all around. We will get into as much of the details as we can bear, but before we do that, we just want to remind you to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and leave us a rating and review podcast platform of choice. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find all the links at linktr.ee slash Pod. We'll also be in the description. And join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP, and with that, away we go. Instant reaction, if you can muster one. Ryan Williams, you're up. Well, to my knowledge... No good human being died during the match at the match. So I think, if anything, that's a positive. Um, Anything actually involving the play on the field was a negative. Literally no one or nothing happened there that was positive, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, that's it. It was dire, terrible from the start. Yep, and we wasted no time just making things pretty difficult on ourselves. It was one of those where, obviously... Well, actually... We True. looked okay for the first 10, 15 minutes, yes. but I think we all, if if you knew a little bit about how you how people have set up against Spurs that have had success and you saw this was the opposite, you kind of knew it was coming, unfortunately. Yep, and it did, in fact, come in quick succession. It, a couple goals for Spurs, we'll obviously discuss that shortly, but let's wind it back, Ryan, an hour before kickoff when hopes were high and life was worth living, and we had the lineups drop. Spurs first. We'll let you take it away. Similar to the last match where they pounded leads, um, they had a little different group of players when they lost to Middlesbrough in in the FA Cup. They're not playing particularly well, but um, they're stout in the back, not overly athletic. Romero, um, Dyer, Davies are fine, certainly not expansive. Uh, Bentaker and Hojberg. Um, in the middle, sorry, I just think it's the pronunciations on him are all over the place and they're kind of absurd. Both good players, very stout, tough to play through, but not overly expansive. I mean, Hoiberg, you could say maybe is with his whole background in Bayern. And if you've read Pep Confidential, he's like the star of that book partially. But anyway, they're not in form. I mean, they got beat by Middlesbrough in the FA Cup, um, lost to Burnley, beat City, but were outplayed, um, Pounded by Wolves, completely embarrassed. Uh, Southampton beat them. It was only 3-2, to two, but it should have been much worse. So they're not really in form. Um, so this was, I guess, the way we set up. It's not surprising, but it's really disappointing when you've got a blueprint there and how to beat these guys, and we kind of went, went against it. Um, I was a little bit surprised at some of the insertions in the Everton lineup, considering I thought we didn't play that long ago, but 
It wasn't like the last time we played in the FA Cup where we literally had like two, three days in between, I guess. Right. I mean, Frank elects for largely the same squad. But guess what, Ryan? Spurs may not be in good form, but you know who else isn't in good form? These guys in blue right over here, Everton. So Frank elects to insert Anthony Gordon in for Alex Iwobi. Deli Ali on the bench would not start against his former club. Go with the midfield three of Van de Beek, Alon, and Abdullah Decore. Um, and then, of course, we still have John Joe Kenny filling in at makeshift left back. No Mikalenko. He, of course, obviously played in the FA Cup match. And then you've got Coleman starting yet again. So I don't know how many starts that is this season for Seamus Coleman, but they are certainly adding up. And, and on his 33-year-old legs, it just can't be doing him any favors to be getting this volume of minutes. Center back choices, you've got Michael Keane, Mason Holgate. Um, that, of course, would pan out maybe as expected, but certainly not very good. Not much else Frank could do. We would see Jared Branthwaite inserted at halftime, but unlikely that he would make the start over either of those two players. With that, let's go into the tactical setup, um, which I think some have, including myself, have described as naive, Ryan. I think you have also echoed similar sentiments. So talk us through what we tried to do and what Spurs, I guess, typically do. And I think they didn't do anything out of the ordinary today. What I don't understand is we set up fairly pragmatically against City and we hung in there, you know, um, I don't think we deserved a result in that match, but some other people might argue that we did handball that type of thing. Um, but we we played all right. You know, we were definitely hard to break down, and and uh, we didn't play that way at all today. And I don't know what he thought or what he was expecting, but number one, I look at our personnel, and I think you can't be too ambitious with that back line. You're right about the minutes played. I think Seamus is over 2,000 in all competitions so far this year. That's way too much for 33-year-old. Um I mean, Michael Keane's over 2,500. I mean, he's the one guy. He's played more than anyone by a mile. Um, I, I just don't think that's the back line that you want to be expansive with. And we looked like we were um, really trying to impose our will on Spurs. And and the, the critique we had with Frank when we hired him, which I don't think either you or I were over the moon about that hire, was that, in theory, he would play more expansively, more aggressively. We would beat some bad teams. We'd score a lot more goals. We'd concede a lot more goals. But my fear was watching him is that we would be too too stretched vertically and we would be picked apart as a result. So, look, he was trying to get us up higher the pitch, counter-pressing. And while I understand maybe their back line's not the best ball players in the world, it was too easy to play around. Yep. Um, it really wasn't effective after about the first 10 or 15 minutes. Frankly, you cannot provide flexibility to these players in attack and then expect them to magically snap into disciplined shape uh, defending. And really, we got stretched out vertically. I mean, just look at that. We're looking at the average positions, and we look incredibly compact, stacked in the middle. I know the intent was maybe to stack around the ball when we lost it, but it was just break. The breakouts were too easy, right? And and I, I guess the one, my biggest problem with the whole attack was Fine, if you're going to counterpress, that's okay. But Harry Kane, what is he best at? Dropping between the lines, receiving, right. facilitating right. play. So every single time he did that, who was on him? A center half. He was just pulling them out like any basic false nine would ever do. So if you don't drop someone back into the hole to deal with him, um, you're pulling a center half out. And then what happens? If they break through a press, which they're going to do, 
it's 1v1 Sun versus Coleman? Is that what we want? Definitely no. No, no, no we do or not. it's Kulu on the right side, 1v1 versus John Joe Kenny, and, and he's a weird player to deal with. So um, if you haven't played against him or seen him, he's got some unique things he does in his first touch, and if you give him time and space, he can really serve a ball. So those guys just tore us to shreds. I mean, that's really all there was. And look, they're not expansive players in the back, but... Doherty and, and Session Young can get up the pitch a bit. So if you can play around our guys, which they did very easily, then it was no problem. I mean, the wide guys were bypassed a lot. They tried to make tackles up the pitch, but it didn't work. And we created nothing off those turnovers early. And once we missed a couple of those half chances, man, it was it was just a tactical mess, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think that's safe to say. I mean, you just saw how incredibly disjointed we are. In the first 10 minutes or so, it looked... Like we were taking the game to Spurs. But you felt like it was a little too good to be true. And it turns out it, in fact, was. Like, you had the pressure you in the dangerous areas. And, you know, Spurs don't always want to play out of the back. And they looked uncomfortable. But when they settled in and kind of figured out what we were all about, they made it start to look very easy. And I think, you know, the, the intensity with which we were pressing even started to... Uh, wane a little bit, even within that first quarter of an hour. Uh, there's no way we we're going to be able to keep that up. And when you saw the fullbacks pushed up as high as they were, and just look at their average position up here, they're way in front Huge. of Keenan Holgate. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get exposed. You know? and, 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 and not only that, not just those fullbacks, but John Joe Kenny and Seamus Coleman, neither of whom are renowned for their pace or recovery ability. <clears throat> I mean, you're pushing them up, trying to deny Spurs the ball, but then Spurs are just able to run in behind, and we saw it. Far too many times for my liking. Absolutely Kenny, torched. Kenny was the one. I mean, he was up so high at times. Seamus, it almost looked like a back three. Eventually, we right. did switch. And that that's not a good matchup. Because it's a back three, and either Holgate or Keener played into the space to follow Kane. Then it's basically Mason Holgate and Seamus Coleman trying to defend in space, neither of which are good at it. So... And look, I mean, you look at the attacking sides. I mean, it's almost irrelevant. Spurs attacked 42% down the right side, but... I don't think there was any particular gap any more than either side. Um, Gordon was doing a decent job running back and defending Richarlison less so, which is a little uncharacteristic, but we were trying to attack down that side early a lot, just not working. But my God, look at the difference in chances. I mean, we're yeah. looking at the the percentages in terms of where the shots were. We created almost nothing, but only 33% of our shots were inside the 18. And look at their numbers, Hamas. Oh, my God. Yeah, 71% inside the 18, 14% inside the 6. Meanwhile, we took two-thirds of our very low shot total outside of the box. So yeah, it's we really do no nothing. surprise that we had zero on target when you have horrible shot locations like that. Yeah, and then, I mean, you just get into the timeline. Uh, the And again, we had some success early, a couple turnovers, a couple of half chances, you know, a couple of balls played over the top that we didn't quite deal with. I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin doesn't look fully fit, but... That's probably the only positive of this match that he actually got minutes, you know, and I, the second half, he actually looked a little more fluid. They also did a very good job of fouling us the second we tried to hit them back. And I don't yep. understand why referees in this league are so naive to not understand that these people are tactically fouling. Some of those should be yellow cards. I don't understand why. If you want the game to be fast, like the Premier League is supposed to be, you don't let teams do that. I don't understand why referees, maybe they're bewildered by Conte or whoever else and Pep. Pep's team get away with it all the time, too, and I don't blame him for doing it. But those should be yellow cards. But 
Okay. Um, and eventually, you know, in the 14th minute, Spurs broke through and, and it looked like a dangerous chance. But as it turns out, it wasn't really their chance at all. And this was just a horrible mistake in the 14th by Mago Keen, wasn't it? Yeah, a nightmare for him. Again, seems like the, the own goal tally is just continuing to mount up for Michael Keane. It initially looks like a really smart finish by Harry Kane. Turns out he actually didn't have to do much of it, anything, because Keane basically thrashed it into the back of the net in an attempted clearance. Really tough way to go down 1-0. And you think, okay, well, that sucks. Well, let's bounce back a little bit. Nope. Yeah. Three minutes later, Hyungmin Son... Gets wide, wide open, and Jordan Pickford with a goalkeeping error. No real other way to characterize it. He should, he can't get down quickly enough, and it just sort of skips into the back of the net. Albeit, I mean, it is a, a clear chance for him, um, for, for Son, but you think he probably would do better, and Pickford really should be saving that. I mean, I don't understand what's going on in this play, for heaven's sakes, but you've basically got two guys to the right of Kane. We've only got three defenders at this point. John Joe's way up the pitch. So Holgate tries to come in. He takes a bad angle, and Kane plays Sun through. Sheamus almost gets there, but, I mean, he gets there enough that the angle's not great. Pick just lets it go. I, it, honestly, it didn't look like he was ready, or he, like, fell. I, it's one of the strangest goalkeeper plays if I didn't know better I felt he was like literally throwing the game like how do you maybe just caught him in between but this is not and Pickford's coming off a really good performance I thought against Man City um I don't think he's been particularly great this year but that's a that's a bad moment and and at this point you're thinking we're in trouble and you know that we're gonna have to keep opening up and and I wonder what would have happened if we would have snucked in a goal maybe in the first 10 minutes yeah. would Frank have pulled off the troops um, and it just kind of went on, and it was just chance after chance at this point, I thought. I, I, I mean, the shape was not good. Yeah, it was not. It, we looked incredibly disjointed. I think um, just lost our heads a little bit, lost our composure. Um, and, and just six minutes after the second goal, we almost concede another very easy one. Spurs wide open. It's a, it's a missed opportunity. The shape completely disjointed. Their Spurs finding all kinds, acres and acres and acres of space in the wide area. Seamus Coleman far too often tucking in to try to support that counter press and just getting exposed by the switch in play. And then, you know, we go 20 minutes without conceding, also without creating a lick of anything. And Spurs make it 3-0. This one, Kane just gets away. It looks like he basically is in a wrestling match with Michael Keane. Yeah, it's a foul, by the line. way. I mean, yeah. I, well, how does Keane get away with all the stuff he does? He's actually a borderline dirty player. But... Well, I mean, there were some incredibly, as you said a couple minutes ago, incredibly cynical, cynical challenges from the Spurs team. Albeit, Anthony Gordon had a couple very uh, obvious flops early on. But the Romeo I, tackle yellow on Richardson. That was horrible. Was a horrible tackle. And there was the tactical tactical foul that was just a blatant grab and pull from behind. And I think if it's, you know, if you're playing basketball, you at least have to kind of make it look like you're going for the ball. In soccer, apparently you can just grab the guy's jersey as he's getting away and, you know, yank him down and it's it's fine. It's not a yellow. I, I do agree with you that that stuff needs to be punished. But regardless, Everton down 3-0. Game's this gone. Goal. James, this goal, I just don't. The, the bigger problem I have is the shape the whole game. 
I mean, it's unbelievable how often it's like schoolboy defending, how often there was one defender behind all the other ones to keep them on. I I don't understand that. And there's a reason why Carlo drilled the heck out of this team in terms of their defensive shape, because it's awful in this one. I mean, Doherty passes through several people, but you look at it. I mean, John Joe is two yards behind Holgate, who is three or four yards behind Keene. Keene's trying to catch up to Kane. I don't even know what Holgate's looking at at this point. They're all ball watching. It's atrocious. I, what John Joe is doing here, the bottom line is you're going to play a high line. You have to have courage and play the high line. Coleman was dropping back so many times. Keen's not comfortable playing that high. We've seen it a million times. He's just not. And it's, th- it's this like is, the textbook pass, criticism. But, it's the textbook uh, criticism of Michael Keen is he can't play a high line. And now you see on full display exactly why these players can't because the recovery's not there. Kane's in and, you know, he's one-on-one with the keeper. There's only one outcome. Yeah, it's it's a joke. And, I mean, look, we we get into halftime and, and the numbers are, are incredibly damning. Yeah, seven to one in shots, seven to one in aerials. One, also all in the Spurs end. Two corners to zero. Passing percentage and possession about even. Uh, six for eleven in dribbles for Everton. Gordon was three for five. So maybe some slight slight positives to take away. But, but when you dominated, right? Yeah, that's the right. thing. You're just playing into them the whole time. I mean, seven to one in aerials. One in their end. Number one. Why are we playing the ball in the air right into all those guys? They're just sitting back eating it up. I mean, Conte is probably laughing just watching us play into them. I mean, it's exactly what he would want us to do. Please fire the ball into our back line. We'll make two or three simple little passes, get out in this space, get our wingbacks up the pitch and let them play people through. And it just happened all the time. And so, look, we we get out of halftime. And, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking at this point, James. Well... Obviously, I'm not thinking that there's any chance we have of winning this, but there was the uh, low-light moment of the first half shortly before the whistle where Mason Holgate rockets a clearance directly into the face of Michael Keane. Um, and so, Who has a history of concussions. Right, exactly. And so it's unclear if that's the exact reason he was yanked, but you'd be, I'd be surprised if they're you know, that, that's pretty harsh on the manager for to, to pull him for... for the play as bad as it was, I think everyone was crying out, but it, you know, it's an individual mistake. I think the defense as a whole was playing really poorly. Regardless, Branthwaite comes in. Yeah. So the quote was uh, Ben grounds at, at Ben underscore Islington. Lampard confirmed Keen was taken off at halftime, not due to concussion, but due to feeling unwell. Ah, so the okay. quote is Michael has been unwell for some weeks and he put himself up for selection. We don't have options in that area of the pitch. Look, Michael Keane is admitted to confidence issues, mental health issues. And look, the guy has played over 2,500 minutes for us this year. He's far and away our minutes leader. The guy maybe needs a break. And and look, a relegation battle has got to be stressful as heck, especially for a team that should be nowhere near it. And he's been the one that's having to deal with this forever. And, you know, he's been okay at times this year, too. And it's just... But it's a strange change, uh, you know, center half for center half. Um, and look, when, when he first came out, they made a strange one, too. Sessignon must have been banged up or something because Regulon came on for him. That must be nice, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, I mean that's, those are your two left backs, better than any left back that we have. Um, 
I won't even get to right backs because we have a bunch of those, just none of them really apparently good enough or ready to play. But look, I thought we'd see an adjustment here, but it looked like we came out playing very similar. Yep, it didn't seem like to be any material change, and we don't get any material change except to the score line with Spurs putting up their fourth right goal the in the 46 minute, less than less than a full minute after the half started. Jared Branthwaite gets caught. Well, we we just saw our backline dropping what? off, dropping off at that point. Rather yeah, than what is and, going on there? And you said if you commit to the high line, commit to the high line. Instead, we have some guys staying up, some guys dropping way way off, and. Spurs are just allowed to get into the box. It's a cross that somehow manages to get between four Everton defenders to the far post, and Regulon immediately after coming on is just waiting there, making the run. Easy a finish as you could possibly get in the Premier League. Taps at home, 4-0, just adds to the misery. Yeah, Brantway drops off, uh, and he drops off from the moment Sun has the ball. I just don't get that. I mean, he's just a kid, right? So I'm not going to be overly critical of him on the play. But then you look at it play out. And again, Holgate leaves Sun and runs at the ball. Coleman's the only one on the backside, and he literally doesn't know who's all the way behind him. I don't know where Gordon is at this point. And Coleman tries to stop and get to the ball that goes behind him. Van de Beek misses it, but, I mean, he's not a good defensive player. God knows. And, I mean, this is as easy a goal as as you'll ever see. Um, yeah, it's just you're sitting there saying, you got to be kidding me. Like Regulon scores, for heaven's sakes. you got to be kidding me. But there's no threat for them to go forward, so just go at us, you know? And, yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, it's just... I mean, all hope was gone before then, but this is just harsh. Eventually, in the 52nd minute, they take Romeo out. I'm assuming that's due to yellow cards or whatever. And then they hit us again, and... and in the 55th, again, the shape in the back permits Kane to make a run into the box. It's a great ball uh, yeah. uh, by Doherty, who is passing very well from deep tonight. But it's unbelievable. This is a terrible angle. It's a one-time volley. I, Pickford doesn't even move really at it. I, I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't come out. I, I'm not sure what happens. It's a good finish by Kane. I mean, the the skill involved in it, but... I don't know what to say on this one. I mean, it's just bizarre to watch the ball go over your head and have him nut it and Pickford just kind of whiff on it, doesn't even make an attempt. And it's just, you know, the 59, finally we changed. I, I find that amusing that then we changed shape, bring in Mikalinko for Vandebeek, who is not good today, switch to a back three with wingbacks. And and I guess the second half was better from them well, on. I mean, the shape was certainly better, but it, we we offered nothing really in attack. I mean, how you're you're up five... If you're Spurs, you're up five nil. How much I know. more do you really keep? You kind of felt like they took their foot off the gas, and we just happily were were willing to <laughs> let the clock run down. Um, I mean, I don't it's think true. they we have conceded like, possession too. I mean, what was it like sixty forty in the second half? Yeah, I mean, they had the ball. Their pass success was like ninety three percent. So yeah, yeah, you're right. We sat back. They still outshot us. I mean, eight to five. <laughs> It's just they out tackled us. I mean, even though they had the ball, it just um, it was depressing at that point. It was yeah. just waiting for the game to end, and and then we were three of ten of dribbles from the break. It was sad. There were a couple individuals in the second half that were almost trying to will ourselves to score and create chances, but it was just heads down and dribbling. Um, yep. Gordon and Richarlison in particular. But look, the bottom line, the XG philosophy: Spurs two point eight seven, Everton point three two. That's a beating, man, and there's yeah. no other way to categorize it. But away form is a huge problem here. Yeah, it's been a problem all season, but it seems like Frank Lampard has 
taken it and dialed it up a notch with perhaps the style of play and refusal to be a little more pragmatic. Look, the last three OA matches, averaging 2.96 XGA to 0.45 XG. So almost a full 3 XG, which is you rarely see that in a single match. That's got to be be the worst three-game stretch we've had in... I mean, like a decade. I'm not yeah. exaggerating. I mean, I may be under even Allardyce. I don't think we did that. Sorry, I said his name. I know that's prohibited. We can edit that out. I know. Um, I mean, I couldn't find more, a single match. Like, I went back several years that was that bad in terms of disparity. I mean, the FA Cup match last year, I think, might have been it. But that's an extra time. Leads away had a higher XGA, but RXU is much higher. I mean, it's just brutal. You just look at it, too. It's just... And so it's very funny, Frank's interview afterwards. So part of the issue here is Frank seems like he's learning a lot about this team. <laughs> but you can't do that, man. We're in a relegation battle, and everyone's talking about, well, he knows the league, he's familiar with the teams. Well, he is, but he's not acting like it. I mean, he, I, I thought he sounded somewhat naive. He seemed to focus on our, our inability to pressure. We let them counter. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. It's hard. And other teams didn't bother with this approach. So who does he think we are? Uh, I thought there were some good good uh, listener comments against kind of this after the match. Yeah, we had a couple of really good ones who I think hit the point home. We had Nebula1979 at Nebula1979 said, Did everything wrong. High line with that defense is asking for one-on-ones. Bumbled forward into traps all night. Got killed in transition. Worrying that we set up that way. I think it is. We also had Everton Tweeter, regular contributor, at Tweeter Everton. My Spurs friend texted and couldn't believe we tried to press. He said every team they've lost to recently has sat back, and every team that's tried to press, they've won. I thought before the keen own goal, we looked bright and confident. The two quick succession mistakes quashed any hope. And, yeah, I mean, look, this is what Spurs do well. And then we had Greg Hodgson at Hod2010. Way too attacking setup for Spurs. They struggle to break teams down, and we press them with Son and Kane, the best two counter combinations in Premier League history. Don't know if that's true, but they're certainly up there, and that's where they truly thrive, and it felt like we kind of served this up to them on a silver platter. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about identity, and Frank talked about it too, and, and I love that discussion. Uh, probably no pod out there other than this one has stressed that concept of playing an Everton style and focusing on identity more than, than anyone. I mean, we always talk about it. Is this a time for that, really? So it's very funny when Eddie Howe got hired, because everyone said, oh, man, that's a disaster, because Eddie Howe will do this fun-and-gun counter, high-speed thing. He won't be defensively stout because they have typically leaked goals. They haven't lost in seven matches. Look, he's had to compromise the way he would want to play based on your personnel and the circumstance. But there's no new manager bounce here, man. None yeah. of that. Uh, and, and we talked about it. It's just Frank has no experience as a manager fighting relegation. He has no experience as a player fighting relegation. Not really. Not that I remember. At least nothing recently. And I thought bringing in Paul Clement might help that because he has a little bit of that, I think. But I, I just still, I still don't see why I, I just don't know if this is the right guy to hire for the circumstance and look I, i'm yeah. still optimistic but um there are only so many games left and thank god there's some really bad teams out there but we we gotta win and the thing is i, I would say if we win four games i think we're okay 
Yeah. 34 points will actually probably get a safe this year. But but you, you miss opportunities like this just to get one. And the way you set up like that. And that's ambitious, and there's a time for that. But I, I don't think it was today. And, I mean, I, I just... I don't know. I, I don't get it. I mean, do you not do opposition analysis? How can you get it that right. wrong, especially with this personnel? And and I don't know. It's it's uh it's not good. It's it's really not good. And you talk about and we've heard this a lot. There's there's a lot of bad teams. Well, we're kind of one of the bad teams. There might be teams, the three teams worse than us. Blah blah blah. We've kind of run that into. We really beat but, this team like a couple matches ago. I know exactly, and that's where it's like okay, Frank. I, I can see what Lampard's trying to do in a way with like trying to play more expansively, but you got to, there's a time and a place. There's clearly a time and a place and you need in when you're in a relegation fight, even if you're looking at the long-term picture, we're kind of not in a position that we can afford to be thinking about 18 months down the line. We need to be thinking about tomorrow. We go down. There is no future. Like literally we might not go back up because none of these players are going to, they didn't sign with Everton thinking they were going to go down. I don't even want to imagine the the financial implications. Of course, of course not. You sold them on the promises of this project and leading them to Europe and stuff. I mean, you you can't do that. And I just, I don't understand that at all. Now is not the time for that. You need a pragmatic, you need to be disciplined. And the thing is identity is good to move towards. That's a vision. That's an aspiration. But you still need to prag- be pragmatic and winning games now. And frankly, he doesn't have the personnel to play exactly the way he wants, nor should he. It's not. So, you, you ain't in Chelsea anymore, Frank. You can't uh, <clears throat> throw the personnel. That you, this is a different beast. Yes, we have some good players who probably do fit a system that you might want to play in the future. But you have to caveat that with look at who you're playing against. And when right. you try to go exactly. right into Spurs' hands, it's not going to work. So immensely frustrating. Anytime you lose 5 nil, it's going to hurt. It's going to sting. The question becomes, okay, looking at the individual performances, are there any positives that we can take from that? I don't think there are very many. We had a Mark E. McDaniel Esquire at M underscore McDaniel 2012 said, I don't have words. Well, we've said a bunch of words. I don't know if they're I've good words. I've said a lot of words, uh, but I'm not going to say them because this is supposedly safe for work. Um, yeah. Frank Lampard afterwards singled out one player for praise. He said there was no positive from tonight other than Anthony Gordon and went on to talk about his training and all this other stuff. And, okay, I, I, I agree that Gordon was fighting. He had spirit and whatever. Um, but But I will say this. Like, I don't know if he just had space because they let him have space or he found space. He had two key passes. I think those were on set pieces, though. I don't really remember him doing too much from open play. But was he great? I mean, he was four for nine in dribbles. That's not good. Two bad touches, two dispossessions, four for five in tackles. I mean, the effort was there. He had one great kind of running back tackle play that was really important, and I respect that. But I I think... I think a lot of people are very enamored with Gordon and thinking he's been this an amazing player this year. And, and I think he's a net positive in the fact that he's clearly shown more aptitude. Um, and he's been a, a topic of conversation a lot on the Discord. But I'm not... I mean, we're in a relocation position for a reason. And this guy's played a lot and had a lot of chances. And I think with Damari Gray out and the quality he's shown on the ball, if he had the space and time that Gordon had... Maybe things would be different. I don't think we look good on set pieces. 
I, I don't. I want to hear your thoughts before I get into some of the number crunching because I think it's an interesting topic. And I'm not doing this just to tick people off, but I want people to really think. I mean, you can't sit there and talk about how great certain players are, how great they've been, when the team is has 22 points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at some point, you got to think and be like, oh well, maybe some of these guys haven't been that good. Yeah, it's it's a lightning rod topic, right? Local lad. Young player finally breaking through. First one we've had in a long time, probably since Ross Barkley, that has in maybe Tom Davies, with any, I think, significant promise. And, and before I say it... And he's I got mean, great promise. He's Nobody's got... Exactly. That, you know what I mean? And I think people... The second you say anything bad, it's like you're saying that he has no future and that we should just sell him. It's like, no. no. Which, of course, no one... He, no one's saying that. Absolutely not. I love Anthony Gordon. I want him to be incredibly successful in an Everton shirt. I want to be him to be here for the next decade and... And lift the Premier League trophy. Like nothing would bring me more joy than seeing that. But as you said, we're on 22 points. He's played a lot. He is clearly being given instructions from the manager to try stuff, to be ambitious, to to you know experiment, see what works, what doesn't. A lot of the stuff he's trying is not working. Um, he has some occasional good moments. His free kicks leave a lot to be desired, either into the wall or well over. He's had a couple okay chances. His corners. We haven't really created a whole lot from set pieces or corners. And when he's on the ball, he looks singularly focused on creating a shot for himself more often than not. And I think that there's a problem with our forward players and the cohesion with which they play. Um, It's leading to situations where we go two matches away without a shot on target. Um, I think you, you have to put some of that on not just Anthony Gordon, the whole front line, but because he's a local ad, he's immune from criticism. Again, I love him as a player. I think he's great. And look, but, I, I think yeah. it's so, so so right. I, I get the point I'm trying to make is he he was I guess a bright spot today. Yeah, but it's still relative. I just people got a bright spot in a game that, we lost five to nil. That's right. So no one's so so looking at him. So I did a quick data analysis before the match. You know, top five leagues, 375 wide players, right, with over a thousand minutes. So Gordon's 40th in defensive duels per 90. He's very active. He's 170th in win rate, so he's not winning much. High in successful actions, P90, you know, crosses, shots, 57th. Low in net penalty goals per 90, 129. Think about that. That includes two deflected goals. I mean, he has three goals from open play. Three goals, period, pardon me, in the league. Two were those deflections, which are kind of like, eh. And then he has, I mean, he's 162nd in goal conversions. He's 198th in cross accuracies. Cross accuracy is under 32%. And his expected assist per 90 is 224 and then you look at his shot-created actions, they're not good. I mean, he's 10th on the team from open play, and he's getting a ton of touches inside the penalty area. I, I just think at this point, and then you look at, like, when you look at touches per SCA in the final third, I don't love that stat, but it's kind of interesting. He's second worst on the whole team. So the only point I'm trying to make is that he was promising, but we need to get more production out of our attack. We're not scoring any goals. And so it's nice that you're running around and showing energy, but there's got to be more co- coherence. And when we have opportunities, we've got to take advantage of them. And and so you could argue we're not creating enough opportunities. I don't know what the difference is, but there are some people that have been efficient for their touches. Um, I, I just, I don't know what we do, but uh, this one was such a drubbing, I think, to say, well, Anthony Gordon was a bright spot. Probably the only okay. other guy I would argue that was a bright spot was Alon. I actually thought he was pretty good, but... Was he a problem with the shape? I don't think so, because I think the shape was asking us to get up the pitch. But yeah, 
he's actually been about the most efficient guy in terms of creation on the team. I think he's got the highest, like, it's something like, um, where is it real? Let me look. Oh yeah. He creates a shot created action, like basically three for every like average touch he has in the penalty area. Like it's ridiculous. It's like, yeah. or pardon me if like, you know, he, cre- yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. So he's just creating a ton of actions when he gets forward, but it also, and Decore is too. So it begs the question, what would we look like if we had a defensive mid, you know? Right. Um, and Babine went another 89 minutes. But anyway, I thought Alon was good. He seemed like the only guy that had any sort of control. You know what I mean? I mean, he had one dispossession, three tackles, one interception, four for five with long balls. I don't know what you thought. I mean, I thought he looked okay. I I don't know. Again, we're, I'm stretching here. It's, but it's I, a 5 nil loss. I thought he was decent, but he also wasn't all that exceptional, and I don't think anyone really deserves a ton of praise for their performance today. Though I would say DeCore with five tackles led the team, uh, had a couple of passes and a dribble. He was at, look, he did his usual DeCore things. I think unfortunately, tactics matter though, James. You right. know what I mean? Look, when you're, thing, when you've got DeCore, when you've got DeCore sprinting around, leading the press from the front, and we're Van de Beek's over here and Alon's over there, and our defender, our wingbacks are way up, pushed wide, and there's just all sorts of space in behind them, and Spurs can pick us apart. Look, it's just it's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, at um, least Gordon was, you know, coming back to the ball, finding space, receiving it. He had some touches, even if he didn't create. I'll take that over. What happened with Dominic Calvert Lewin and Richarlison today? Yeah, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, 23 touches, Richarlison, 32, a combined 55. So together, they had fewer than any other outfield player who played the full 90. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, especially low, even when he did get the ball, was kind of wasteful. His touch looked a little rusty, like you said, Ryan, in the second half, a little better. But between them, that's 55 touches, 20 passes between them. So less than half of the, the balls they received and touches they had resulted in a pass after. So a lot of dispossessions, a lot of balls going nowhere. I think both will leave the stadium feeling incredibly frustrated with the lack of an involvement. I mean, but Dom had like seven turnovers. Richarlison had five, which is typical. Richarlison, I swear to God, has got to be leading the Premier League at this point. But I will say this. I, I think Joel Parker's counter to this was good because the one thing that's not fair is this guy's been injured basically all year. We do play better when Dominic Calvert-Lewin is fit. And he's going to have to get fit at some point. So in response to it's a ridiculous tweet where it's like, Dominic Luna had a purple patch under Carlo. Yet some Evertonians have him on some bizarre pedestals in elite level forward. He was second in the league in non-penalty goals last year. He had like 16. And his finishing was like second in the league for any of the top goal scorers. Remember the whole he can't finish? Meaning yeah. as how far exceeded his expected goals. That dude was on fire at the beginning of the year and every bit as much of a reason for our success earlier in the year. So he did play like an elite center forward last year. So I'm not going to tolerate any of that nonsense. But I think Joel's counter is the right one. And we got to cut him a little bit of a break. Yeah, Joel says, if people don't understand what continuous mistreated injuries in an array of bleep systems does to a striker, then maybe football isn't for you. Which I hate that saying a lot, but... No striker scores in this Everton structure, and I think he's exactly right. Um, we're, we're recognizing I agree. that. And he got minutes gonna, today. I mean, yeah. it, it, we need to, him to get fit. We, we have to. Because when he's in there, you got Richarlison, Gray, 
Gordon, who I think running off the bench is really dangerous because he plays so direct, you know, and he has so much energy. It's almost overwhelming at times. I think that's where I mean, you've seen when he comes off the bench. I mean, he is really creative. And, and anytime he has a little more time and space on the ball to get his head up, God, he strikes a ball. You know, that's when you see Anthony Gordon really come to life. That's why I think he's exciting because the future yeah. you can see things slowing you down. See- head starts to come up. Yes, he's like an unmolded block of clay, and you can just see like what he could become, but he's not there yet. He's got he's it all. It's, it's just a matter of. I still think it's a matter of time for him, and I think that's why I'm excited about him. But dear yeah. lord, um, that was probably the best thing. Um, Cameron Reigns at Gnar underscore Pilot. This is kind of interesting. Bad setup exacerbated by basically a lack of anything on the front foot. No movement off the ball. That's actually an important point. Forwards just waiting for something to fall in their laps. We rarely look threatening, often slow, lacking any creativity and movement. Do you think it's a lack of movement or do you feel like we just were kind of playing against a wall and there was nowhere to go? I'm kind of curious what you would think. Well, I don't know. I saw numerous times where Anthony Gordon or Richarlison would look to make a run in behind. It didn't seem like any midfielder had any interest in playing balls over the top it felt like the only long balls that we saw were from the likes of mason holgate jordan pickford michael Keane. what was was hoofball holgate again tonight for two for 13 long balls something like that yeah two for 13 yeah that's what it is bravo pretty pretty terrible um but you know i think think three for three for ten no that can't be right three go ahead sorry no look it up it's fine um no i think cameron makes it for ten three for ten anytime you don't pickford was uh, two for 13 Sorry. Okay. Pickford was two for thirteen. Fantastic distribution from him tonight. Delightful. Anyway, delightful. Continue. Go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's Movement. okay. You could tell, and we talked about it with the lack of passing from Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and to some extent Anthony Gordon as well. There's just very little cohesion from the front three, and when those guys aren't linking up, it's going to be really difficult because the midfield can't carry water for the attack the way that they maybe have been in terms of creation in the final third. Um, another stat that maybe worth mentioning Mason Holgate we talked about the long balls not his best evening but I think this is just indicative of how poor the defense was as a whole is that Mason Holgate was the only defender with either a tackle which he had two or an interception no other defender managed any of those throughout the match uh, and just shows which is maybe Ryan's Ryan's making a face maybe that's wrong, John Joe but... said he had one tackle and one interception. Okay. Coleman okay. had neither King had Keen had neither right. I mean that's Brantley so, eventually had a tackle. Still, those numbers are ludicrous. I mean, that's very low. It just shows madness. like how much we were kind of backing off or just completely out of any position to make a significant play. And Holgate had six clearances. So I take back the three tens a little harsh when you think about most of those are clearances, I okay. guess, even if he did have an early hoof ball. But but anyway, the point is we were still just playing them the ball repeatedly. Maybe most of it was Pickford. We've already talked about Michael Keane, but you know, I, I just think you could trash these guys all you want. They're not really in a position to succeed. So uh, MVP at Philadi makes this comment. Allowing Alon and DeCorey to be so far from the CBs is just murderous. Someone has to stay home and defend. And I think he's right. And I think in particular the way Kane plays in between lines to not have someone to deal with them and have the center backs be able to sit home, I think really messed with our shape. Like if you wanted to see a tactical blueprint of how to be a false nine and what that means and how to be effective, today was a very good example. And we saw the man marking against Manchester City in certain points that was incredibly effective. Now it's obviously different with someone like Harry Kane playing as a striker versus like man marking someone like De Bruyne in the midfield. But he's just such a 
he's a really smart player, and you can't let someone who's so good at getting in those positions because he does drop deep. He's he's molded his game in such a way that you gotta look to nullify his effect, and we just didn't. We just let him run riot. He's a really good player, man. I mean, the bottom yeah. line is that he is I mean, that so was... good with the ball, so smart. Yeah, I mean, the finishing, the passing. I mean, granted, we let him play, but I'll tell you what, too. You forget how strong he is on the ball. How many times did people try and go through him, and he just was swatting him off? I mean, he was yeah. outstanding today. Yes, we didn't do things to help us. But I think the problem is that back line's limited, but Mina's not coming back anytime soon. And the real question is, there's some good news that Damari Gray's coming back. That's good, but Ben Godfrey. The thing I would say is that, yeah, I mean, he's going to help. I agree. Um, but is he going to save us? I mean, so look, this year, I think he's got the third worst on-off plus-minus on the team at negative 1.56 per 90. And his XG on and off last year was the worst on the team for any players with any amount of minutes. I know everyone was enamored at his lovely tackling and all sorts of that stuff last year, but sometimes you got to look beyond the style key, Andre Gomes, and realize <laughs> that he still has a long way to go. And I think it's pretty unfair to think he's just going to step in and change things. I will ask you this, though. Brantwave, this first five minutes, ten minutes, looked pretty sh- pretty bad. I'll tell you what, though, man. That guy had some fire and was aggressive and tough the rest of the way. He's both-footed. He brings some things to the table. It's probably a bit too much to ask for him, but if Michael Keane needs a break, and he probably does, would you play Godfrey and Holgate together, or would you play JB with with Godfrey and give him a shot? Ooh, tough question, Ryan. I know. I, I, I know. don't think you can play I, I don't Godfrey know what and Holgate. Do there. I don't think you can pre- play Godfrey and Holgate together. Would you back three? Together? I, I don't know what scared. to do there, though. It's just... It's a problem, man. It's just not. Um, like and the Jared thing Brantway, is, I don't think Frank. Like Jared Brantwaite in the get, games. Of, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, Frank can't get that pragmatic, though. You know, at times where he needs to get three points. But, uh, yeah, it's just. You, you start to look back at recruitment. If you really want to criticize recruitment in some aspects, I, th- I think this is one that that's probably fair. I mean, in essence, outside of Mina, we've got Godfrey, Holgate, and Keene. Brantwith is a good young player, and I'm glad we got him, but he's still a little bit far away. Like, geez, out of those three, I wouldn't say any of them. I mean, we didn't, I mean, Holgate was cheap, so it's not a miss. Godfrey for 20 million to 25 million. I mean, that's a lot of money. I think there were some other players that went that summer that I thought were better deals, but Keen has played a lot, but we've never addressed that. In fact, thank you, Bill Kenwright. We extended both Keen and Holgate. I mean, you would have thought at one point they're so stylistically dissimilar that we would have changed. It would be so nice to have another guy in there that's maybe a different profile. Um, I mean, Bameen can play center. <laughs> I know I keep bringing him up, but I mean, you got to. I just at some point, I think there should have been a change there and maybe maybe a change at some point. Um I don't know. It's uh, it's disappointing because that we I, I don't feel comfortable with anyone outside of Mina and no, me either. What about Pickford? Bad. One good that, tonight. Sucks that he was so good against City and just has a, a stinker tonight. It felt like the missed the, the the error that led to their second goal just kind of derailed things, and from that point on, he was not switched on. Um, and you know you can he's see 16th five in the league. Yeah, yeah he's sixteenth in the in the league in uh, post shot expected goals plus minus at negative one point one coming off the city the difference, which was a po- big positive for him. This probably didn't help him. I mean, five goals on two, three, you know, expected goals. But I, I mean, maybe he would have made one more save. It would have been nice, and he, he really was pretty good against Southampton, except for the one late mistake. 
But I just, my fear is that if he goes on one of these five or six game runs where he's just a disaster and he has had these before, and how is he going to hold up mentally? There's a lot of pressure on these guys right now. Yeah, I mean, the solace, or I guess the uh, consolation that'll take is that we do have some guys who have been in some relegation scraps before, Pickford being one of them. You've got that's Corre, um And was good. And, others, and he was good Michael with Sunderland, too. Right. And, and so, he was good with us when it mattered. That's a good point. It, and you talk about when Jordan Pickford is shown the brightest. I don't think anyone would argue that it's on the biggest stage for England. Um, maybe the pressure will you know, help him lock in. I'm not super confident in that. But he's very mercurial. He'll bounce up and down. Hopefully he can find the right run of form in the games that we need him to. But um, I don't have a whole lot more to say on this. We'll look at kind of the table in a second. But we had a, a comment, which I think is a good maybe distraction. We had Florida Coco at Cody Rodman said, don't even make a podcast about this episode. Sorry, Cody. We did. Uh, we're already 40 <laughs> minutes in, 40 plus minutes in. Well, He's Alex did. Smart one. Yeah. Alex is the smartest of the three of us. Just make a podcast about your favorite movies instead. I can't take another podcast after a loss. Well, Cody, you may not be listening, but Ryan, for anyone who is listening, what just off the top of your head, what is your favorite movie? What I think the best movie is or my personal no, favorite? that's not the question. Your favorite movie. Okay. All, all right. Um, <laughs> in what category? <laughs> well, comedy. Uh, I will say this. Pro, pro, a comedy? Yeah. Monty Python, The Search for the Holy Grail. Without great, question. Great choice. It's e- okay. It's easily the funniest choice. movie of all time. I will like it's fight so good. people if they disagree with me on that. Um, although, you know, um, Ode goes to, like, if I'm in a what bad mood, I'll just. is your favorite I'll, color? <laughs> I don't know that. Um, yeah, I think my, my favorite, I will say this, though. If I'm in a bad mood, I'll throw on the Big Lebowski and just watch the bowling scenes. Um, <laughs> that always puts me in a better mood. My favorite movie of all time, I don't know if you know this, was The Natural. Oh, I've got a Roy Hobbs jersey and everything. Good flick. Good flick. Lightning bolt and everything. I know. It's a good one, man. I, I almost have it memorized. I actually Love had it. Fletch memorized at one point, too, as a kid, because it was like the Wise Alex Bible. What about you, James? What is your favorite oh, movie? My favorite comedy is probably yeah, Step Brothers. Probably Step Brothers. <laughs> That's Just because it's so quotable. Um, big Will Ferrell fan. But Monty Python's up there, too. I haven't watched that in a long time. Um, favorite movie overall? Ah, Goodwill Hunting is up there. I think that might be mm-hmm. tops for me. Little Matt mm-hmm. Damon, Ben Affleck, early days. Is that a little Retainer. New England? Retainer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that whole scene. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, could be the New England in you then, huh? Yeah, it is so, for sure. I mean, that's certainly a lot more uplifting to talk about than... That yeah, that was nice. Today, I, I yeah, I, I don't know if I still feel any better because now I'm looking at the table. I mean, there yeah. are some good things. I'm really stretching here to try and be positive, but it was bad today. Leeds is a disaster right now. They've lost many in a row. Um, they're still a point ahead of us. We have a couple games in hand on most of these teams, but you got to turn that into points. Brentford's win last week was really important for them, uh, but Leeds are dropping, but Jesse Marsh had them looking a lot better. Newcastle's been on fire. Brighton is dropping, but that's way too far from us. I mean, Burnley, uh, you know, you just feel like Sean Dice is going to get stuff done. I mean, they they were they're one point behind us. This is like Sean Sean Dice is like a fish in water right now. Like this is his bread and butter. I know. 
that's the problem is you just got... we got to look at the fixtures and see where we see the points though james i mean i'm looking at right. them and i i just don't feel great about them nope i do not either there are definitely some big ones coming up we can pull them up and say what we hope <laughs> i mean look sunday sunday wolves is a big match and wolves has played really well but they've had some matches where they've been off my concern is frank's setup if he's this like strict to try and play the same way we saw what bruno bruno lage set his team up against rafa as well as anyone had all year he knew exactly how we were going to play and exploited the heck out of it and you know that makes me nervous i mean i hope frank shows a little bit of pragmatism here and there's no reason why we can't beat them but they're they're a good team man i mean they're an eighth they've got 40 points um that is not your candidate he deserves it. And again, doesn't know the league. Came out of nowhere. Foreign guy. He couldn't possibly have success. And he absolutely has. He's been outstanding. And my concern is Frank is that stubborn. But let's hope Ben Godfrey and, and Gray make a difference. Because I they do. The Goodison crowd could they make do. a difference too. They could rattle Wolves. And we really need the crowd to get behind him. I mean, look. We win one. Just one. Take three points there. I mean, it's all the difference in the world. Now yeah. we're ahead of Leeds with the game at hand. And it's winnable. I mean, it's absolutely winnable. And then, and then the big one on Thursday. Um, I mean, Newcastle is playing so well right now. But again, those are two matches back to back. Goodison Park, not many days away, you know. And and then what we got? That game's still on, right? Because we got Palace then on Saturday. Correct. Yep. So or have they, I got that all wrong. No. That no. No. That's right. right. Yep. We play just two days after that FA Cup at Palace, Selhurst Park. It's going to be tricky, and then we'll probably play the Watford match before um, then playing, having a little bit of time off. Then we play what we don't need to run through the schedule. You guys can look it up, but look, I think home form is what people are really clinging to right now because, as, as we pointed out earlier in the show, the away form thus far under Frank has been <clears throat> disastrous. The home fans are going to be so, so important to lifting hey, the performance. In all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, I'm, it's not crazy. We take six points there. This totally looks different. Like, right. like, really. And it's not impossible to do. I mean, these teams have got to come into our house and beat us. The problem with that is it's felt like we need to win two f- since October. And, like, we just, you know, it's been, or no, whatever, not October. But it's been a long time. It, I think we we're going to see just a need. I think we're going to see our song. I hope we do. I certainly hope we do. I'm sure all of you listening hope that as well and we thank you very much for listening to this episode of the american toffee podcast if you enjoyed it please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating or review podcast platform of choice reminder you can find all of our links in the description or at linktr.ee slash usa toffee pod that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot ee slash usa toffee pod otherwise we'll be with you next time until then up the toffees